is entitled, Can God Trust You to Help Others by Example? Now, we've been teaching a series uh, on helping others, and today we want to talk about helping others by example. Can God trust us? Can he really trust us? You know, um, a lot of times we don't know what God is doing, and God is doing things, and he expects us to help people just by our example. If nothing is said to a person, if nothing is done for a person, we still, um, we are still lights, we are still salt, and we can help others by just our example. And I, I think I'm very thankful for, um, you know, the the examples that are shown in the scripture. One of which is like Joseph. You know, uh, Joseph, if he would not have been trustworthy, what would have happened to this which we read now? Yeah, what would have been what would have happened to the children of Israel, if Joseph had not been faithful to do what God wanted him to do, in spite of his circumstances, because none of us probably have been through um, all of what Joseph went through. We've probably been through parts of it, but not all. Uh, but most of us not haven't had our um, brothers, biological, you know, uh, brothers, had brothers. And to, you know, really try to um, kill us, want to kill us, throw us in a pit, sell us off, you know. We haven't been in that situation. Most of us haven't. And to be accused of uh, raping someone when you were trying to only help the, help the, the man who uh, you were serving. And to, to know that Joseph stood strong, even in the midst of all his situation, he he. He was going through. Even in prison, uh, he stood strong. And God showed himself strong on Joseph's behalf. And in the end, what uh, his brothers and the enemy meant for harm, God had a purpose and a plan for Joseph. And he has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. We don't know the plan all the time. You know, Joseph had dreams. Um, but he didn't. He, he he had no idea what he had to go through to fulfill that which uh, God had for for him. You don't know what you're going to have to go through to fulfill what God has for you. I don't either. But we can be faithful. We can be faithful. And so, how many people saw that example? His brother saw the example, and um, it meant a lot to. Uh, to his brothers and meant a lot to those who were unsaved. And the Bible is full of examples of, 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 of people who stood firm in what God has called them to do. You can think of Daniel. You can think of, uh, you know, just a host of, of people who were just so uh, faithful to be examples in the midst of their situation. So God has challenged me, and I believe us, to be examples even in the midst of our situation. Even though things might not be going the way we think they should be going, 
be examples that others can see, even if they don't know you, they see you. Even if they, they don't hear you, they see your walk, and they know there's something different about you. And you can do that whether it's at work, whether it's in a grocery store, whether it's in uh, driving along uh, the highway. You can do that in many different, different ways. And so you need to uh, be meditating on that. Let's look at Second Chronicles, chapter 16. God is looking for his body to be examples of him. We need to represent him. In verse 9, this verse says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth. Now, that, 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 that tells us something, that the eyes of the Lord, he's looking throughout all of the earth. Not one crack, not one crack, not one corner is hid from God. He's looking throughout the whole earth that he may strongly support. That means to keep. That means to strengthen. That means to preserve. That means to be strong, to be firm. For those whose heart is completely his. That's a powerful verse. And that's in the context of the king of Judah who um, stopped relying on the Lord when he used to rely on the Lord. And God was saying to him, I showed myself strong on your behalf in other areas, why in the world did you not trust me now? And he was telling him that my eyes are looking throughout the whole earth to show myself strong on behalf of you or anybody else who is fully committed to me, the King James may say. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. This is what God is looking for. He's looking for you. He's looking for me. He's looking throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of us or anyone else who's fully committed to him. Can he trust us to be an example? In verse 14, let's start there, and we'll go through verse 20. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors... In Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exhort you, be, the King James will say, followers of me. Then New American Standard will say, imitators. Now, that, that word, imitators, is like our English word to mimic. Uh, and what it's telling us to do is He's talking to Timothy here. Paul's talking to Timothy. He's saying, look, I want you to, I want to exhort you to imitate, to mimic me. Whatever you see me do, you do. Whatever you hear me say, you say. Wherever you see me go, you go. Mimic me. Verse 17 says, for this reason I have sent to you Timothy. So he's talking to the church of Corinth. So he's going to send Timothy who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, 
And he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. So he's talking to the church at Corinth, and he's telling them, I want you to mimic me. Whatever I, I do, you do. Whatever I say, you say. Wherever I go, you go. You mimic me. And I'm going to send you Timothy, because Timothy is, a, is, a, is my beloved son. Timothy, he mimics me. I'm going to send him, and he's going to teach you. He's going to tell you. He's going to remind you of my ways. Because Timothy's ways was Paul's ways. He didn't deviate. It was Paul's ways. So Paul is telling the church. This is what he's, he wants them to do as a church. What does God want us to do as a church at Cornerstone? What does he want you to do in your family? Does he want us to mimic him? Absolutely. Absolutely. In our families, we need to mimic the Lord. Uh, and he's going to also want you to mimic him as you help others. And that's what we've been talking about the whole time, helping others. Verse 18. Now some have become arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power for the kingdom of God does not consist of in words, but in power. So he's telling the church in Corinth, I'm coming, and I want to find out all those people who, who are saying these great swelling words, who think they are something, I'm going to see what kind of power they have. I'm not interested in the words they speak. I'm interested in the power they have. And that's what God is interested in. What kind of power we have, because the kingdom of God is about power. Because all power has been given to, to Jesus Christ. And therefore, he says for us to go, and therefore we can do that. So he's telling the church at Corinth to mimic him. He's, he's, we know that he's, t he's already told Timothy to mim mimic him, and Timothy does mimic him. So we got uh, uh, everybody following Paul. Let's go a little further in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and see a little bit further. He says, verse 1 in the King James, Be ye followers of me. What does that word followers mean? Mimic, imitate. Same word. Even as I also am of Christ. So he's telling him, I want you to be followers of me, even as I am of Christ. When you see Christ, you're going to see me. When you see me, you follow me, because I'm following Christ. God wants to trust us to help others by example. And Paul was an example. He was an example to the church. He was an example to those who he worked with, those who he was helping. Let's look at Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, King James Version. Now it says here, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Is there any difference between following God and following you or me? Is there any difference? Because we know through Scripture, because we read some of them, that Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We know the Scripture says, follow, be followers of God, be imitators of God. Should there be any difference? Should there be any difference than, than your person, the person you're helping, the person who God has assigned to you and you to that person, is there any difference of them following you and following 
Christ. Can Christ trust you? Can he trust me to help others by example? All they have to do is just do what we do, say what we say, go where we go. Can God trust us to help others by our example? Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 6 says, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord. So we see that the church, church at Thessalonica, they were imitators of the apostles, but they also were imitators of the Lord. Is there any difference? Should there be any difference? Having received the word in much tribulation, King James said affliction, with joy in the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm telling you. It should not be any, any difference in you following me or you following Elder Sam or Elder John or Elder John following you. It should be no difference whatsoever. Whoever you're helping, they should be able to follow you, and God should be able to trust any of his uh, saints, his young, um, uh, or just newly born saints, or those who are not even born again yet, he should be able to trust them to, hey, that's my son over there. I want you to follow him. That's my daughter over there. Follow her. Do whatever she does. Say whatever she says. Go wherever she goes. Look at whatever she looks at. Read whatever she reads. Am I meddling now? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> what are the five areas that God wants us to concentrate on uh, for these next years? You know, I, I believe that God... He wants us to really um, concentrate on certain things, and it takes time. Uh, you know, you, we, we, we're not just automatically born again, sanctified, you know, ready to go to heaven. We have uh, work to do and work to be done in us, and it takes time to do that work. So what uh, God has shown me is that for us at this particular time, it's it's what's called preparation time. Preparation time. You know, when, you, when you're going to um, plant a field, plant a garden, you have to prepare the soil. You don't just go out in the backyard and just, you know, throw some tomato seeds or tomato plant on, 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 on the ground and say, well, it's going to grow. You don't do that. You're going to have to prepare the ground. God is in the preparing uh, business, and he, he, he prepared Joseph. He prepared Joseph. Uh, for what he has for him to do. He's preparing us. What is God doing with us this year? What is he doing with you this year? What is he doing with your family this year? What is he doing with you in school for those who are you, uh, in school taking classes? What is he doing in your life? Where is, where is he going with this thing? Do you know? Well, you know, many times he won't tell you everything at one time, but if you get before him, he'll show you step by step what he wants you to do. And those steps 
He won't show you all the steps at one time. Now, he'll just show you one step. I want you to be faithful to this. I want you to be faithful to that. God is calling for us to prepare for what he has for us when we move into our new facility. I believe that, that the way we respond in this place to what God has given us and to Believer's Fellowship over there on, on Tuesday nights, the way we respond with the inconveniences that uh, we can't have our normal, uh, uh, like I know I have a 7 o'clock meeting with, with um, our leaders that can't have that. We can't have a, a prayer in the regular place we have prayer. We can't have a, you know, we would look up here and we say, well, can this move, can this move, can this move so we can have prayer, prayer you know, prayer at the end of the service. Can we do that? Uh, no, we can't move anything. So uh, what can we do, you know? Uh, we have to be in a preparation. We have to be sensitive to what God is doing. What is he doing? What is he doing? I don't know what he's doing. Actually, I don't know what he's doing. But I know one thing, it's good. <laughs> I know that. You know, I know that. It's good, you know. And I know that I can be faithful in the little things because if I'm not faithful in the little things, who's going to give me much? If I'm not faithful in what is somebody else's, who's going to give me what's my own? That's what the Scripture says for all of us. So, therefore, I know that God has called us to be faithful. I know he's calling us to, you know, take care of this place. I know he's calling us to grow in this place. I know that God doesn't want um, anyone to diminish. He never had it. I don't care when they go into the captivity. He said, I want you to pray for the city, because the, for the peace of that city, because, you know, even though you're in captivity, the peace of that city, and if that city prosper, you're going to prosper. You see? And we need to be praying for uh, the seven-day of Venice, uh, we need to be praying for them. We need to be praying for, for uh, what God is doing for here with us because we need to prosper. We need to succeed. And the same thing in your own individual life. You need to be praying because God is doing some things. And what he's doing in your life is tied to other things, which I've spoke, spoke about in another message. It's tied to other people also, which you'll see later on in this message. You're not isolated, and your family is not isolated. The success of your family is dependent upon, a lot of times, the success of what God has called you to do with other people. So believe me, God is up to something good. And we need to be respond correctly to the preparation time. See, Israel didn't know they were being prepared when he took them into the wilderness. He, they didn't know they were being prepared. So therefore, they flunked all of their tests. And I'm not into flunking tests. I flunked enough of them in school. I'm not in the flunking test, you know. What are the five areas that God wants us to concentrate on? Let's look in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's unpack that, um, the scripture here. We'll go probably from 4.1 to probably verse 17 maybe. Uh, we might go through the whole chapter. Therefore, when it starts off there, of course, you know that all of what he said in um, 1 through 21, up to this point, he said, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you. He's, 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 he's begging him. He's beseeching him, the King James will say, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. 
Let's stop there. If he's saying that, that means that I need to perk up my ears, pay attention. What are you saying here? Well, number one, I believe God wants us to walk in a manner, manner worthy of our calling. We have been called with the holy calling. We've been called uh, out of, into, out of the world, into Christ. You know, we have been called out. And so, therefore, we need to walk in a manner that will be, that will be honoring to God in such a way. And when it says that walk in a manner worthy, it's like uh, scales. If you have, you've seen those old-timey scales, not the ones that we um, have in our bathrooms. You know, we step on and see how many you know, pounds we've lost, you know. Not that type of scale. I'm talking about the scales that have a, one on this side and one on this side, and you have to balance that thing. I'm talking about those type of scales, okay? That's what it means. I want you to picture that when it's talking about walking a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called. See, the calling is on one side of the scale, and it, boom, it weighed it all the way down. And so, therefore, God is saying, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of that. So that means that on this side, we have to balance that scale off. So that means our walk has to be equal to what we've been called to do. And so, uh, what... Another way of looking at it, simply saying, you know, walk or live, that's what walking means, live in such a way that it equals your profession or confession. You know, we profess to be, it starts with a C, Christians. Well, it's telling us, that's what walking a manner worthy, it's telling us that we need to walk in that manner. If we profess to be Christians, we need to be walking as Christ walked, as a Christian walks. Not a Christian in the United States, but a Christian according to the Word of God. We need to be walking like that. We need to balance that scale off. And uh, what the way I put it in our value system, basically is fruitfulness. And if I ask those who I'm working with, those who I'm trying to disciple, those who are supposed to have it in the back of their Bible, then they already know fruitfulness is number four. Okay, in our five-point value system. And so I would say it as walk the talk. That's fruitfulness. Walk the talk. Okay? That's fruitfulness. And so many times... We as Christians can't be trusted by God to walk the talk. And you've seen them. If you heard them, you've seen them on TV. You know, plenty of people profess Christianity, but their walk does not equal their talk. Is that correct? And that turns people off. It doesn't help people to want to become a Christian. It really doesn't. We need to walk the talk. That's what God is asking us to do as the first thing to concentrate on this year is to walk the talk. If you're supposed to be a Christian, then walk like one, talk like one, act like one, respond like one in your workplaces, in your circumstances, in your situation. Do that. Number two. Let's go a little further. Number two, verse, second verse. With all humility 
and gentleness. Let's stop there. With all humility. The King James probably said lowliness. Now, what does that mean? That means that we're supposed to think right about ourselves. That's what humility is. Thinking right about yourself. And if you think right about yourself, you won't have a puffed up opinion about yourself because the right opinion of ourselves really is that we are nothing apart from Jesus Christ. Absolutely nothing. You know? And so God is telling us that he wants us to walk in humility with lowliness of mind. It's our mind. It's the way we think. Don't think of yourself as something when you're nothing because we're not. Also with gentleness. And that gentleness is meekness. And meekness is not weakness. You know, Meekness is basically just telling us that we have strength. We have the ability to avenge ourselves. If somebody does us wrong, we have the ability to uh, do them wrong. We have the ability to say eye for an eye, two for two. We have the ability to you, you talk bad to me, I talk bad at you. You holler at me, I holler at you. You know, you ignore me, I ignore you. you know? We have the ability to do that, but that's not meekness. Meekness is having the ability to do it, but you don't do it. You don't do it. That's meekness. You have the strength to do it, but you don't do it. You, it's, it's, meekness is a restraint, self-restraint. That's what humility is, uh, what meekness is. And so God is telling us, you know, be, be strong, be tough, you know. Be like that, that uh, uh, stallion that, that God has broken. And yes, it could run off. Yes, it can throw his master. Yes, it can, you know, uh, ray up, but it doesn't. It just lets the master ride it, you know. That's what meekness is. God wants us to walk in humility. He wants us to walk in, in meekness or gentleness, same word. So we have two things so far that God is asking us to do out of the five. One of those things would be to walk, come on, worthy of the calling, okay? In other words, the bottom line is walk the talk. Whatever you profess to be, then walk that way. And number two, walk in humility and meekness or gentleness. Let's go to number three. That was number two. Number three. Number three. I'm going to read verse two, the second part of that. Will patience showing tolerance for one another in love? This is this is very practical stuff now. I mean, this is this is not some woo wee you know revelation. This is this is practical stuff that he's asking us to do. You know? Now, what is that word patience? You, you have two, two different definitions of patience, depending on what Greek word it is. And, and this Greek word uh, is long-suffering with people. It's not the endurance, the patience of endurance with circumstances. This one is, is uh, long-suffering with people. He's asked us to be long-suffering and tolerate one another. Tolerate one another in love. Not just to tolerate somebody. Because I think we tolerate a lot of people uh, because they pay us. You know? Um, don't we do that on the job sometimes, you know? We tolerate it because they pay us. And we need 
to work. Tolerance is forbearing. It's bearing with somebody. That's what it is. <laughs> Tolerance is being long-suffering or forbearing with somebody in their errors. I mean, they are wrong a lot of times, but you tolerate them. They are actually, they have so many weaknesses. And you see the weaknesses. You experience the weaknesses, but you tolerate them in love. And of course, love is the agape love that is talking to us about. Not the flail kind of love, not the any other kind of love, but the agape, where just like Christ loved us, he gave his life for us. So if he gave his son for us, when we were uh, unlovable, when we didn't love him, then how much more should we love others uh, in the body of Christ? Because actually it's Christ's body. We are all Christ's body when we get born again. So therefore, why should I uh, not tolerate another part of the body of Christ, which I'm a part of? It's not, it's not wisdom. It's a really not honoring God. We need to tolerate, and we do that a lot of times, uh, our weaknesses, our body, because our body has many parts, and some of our parts of our body, they're weak. Yeah? But we tolerate it. Yeah? I wear glasses because my eyes are not 20-20. They are, they are weak, so they need strengthening, so I have to tolerate wearing glasses. I tried contacts, but they, they make my eyes red. So I don't want people to think I had a little bit too much wine, you know, because I, I, don't, I don't drink anyway, but, you know. That's how we have to tolerate one another. That is where the rubber meets the road. Don't you know that it honors God, it pleases God, when we put up with one another. It's pleasing to him. Surely you have enough uh, ammunition to really be upset with people that you know. People that you're close to. People probably you're sitting beside. Yeah? You have enough ammunition to you know, really just, uh, just be sick and tired of, of putting up with the same old, same old. Yeah? But God put up with us, doesn't he? So therefore, we should put up with one another. And see, all we are asking, and all he's asking, is that please be trustworthy and be an, ex an example for others to follow. Do realize that you've been called with a holy calling, with a worthy calling, that you need to uh, balance out. Uh, you need to walk the talk. So if I'm long-suffering... You need to be long-suffering. How long-suffering is, is, is Jesus Christ? You know, how tolerant is he? You know? Is it any end to his mercy? Why should it be an end to ours? Why should we... Um, Say, I'm up to my eyeballs with you. You pluck my last nerve. You know, 
all the things that we, we do, you know. Uh, we wouldn't have a lot of stuff that goes on in the body of Christ. Really. You wouldn't have a lot of stuff that goes on in marriages. You have, wouldn't have a lot of stuff that goes on in families with the kids and, and, and the parents. You, know. you wouldn't have a lot of stuff going on if we tolerate one another. Now, obviously, you know I'm not talking about sloppy agape. You know I'm not talking about uh, being anything other than Christ-like because Christ addresses, he addresses our weaknesses, doesn't he? He lets us know what we need to be doing and what we don't need to be doing. And he not only lets us know it, he says that I will write it down in a book. Matter of fact, 66 of them. And I will make sure that you, you read this thing. I want you to understand that this is what I'm asking you to do. And to me, when I read the word, I mean, it's like a hammer. I said, whoo, my goodness gracious, you know. Uh, God, you have convicted me. I, I, I got that. I got that. I see it, you know. Doesn't the word convict us when we get in the word? Doesn't the word encourage us? I mean, God, he, he wants to talk to us through that. But he says that, you know, you're not like this. And I don't know anybody here. It might be somebody. But I don't know anybody here that everything this book says, you're walking in it. If it's somebody like that, please stand up so we can bow down. No, I'm not going to bow down. So I can, so, so we can say, so we can say, whoopee. Uh, how's, how's, what do people say? Who? Oh, hey, where's Debbie Johnson? Where's Debbie? What do people say? Woo-wee. What was it? Yeah, woo-hoo. Yeah, not like that, you know. Is anybody like that here? Is anybody like that here? That you are, you, you are, you know, you are the measuring stick. Oh, okay. Elder Sam's point that you call. <laughs> Number one. Was we need to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which God has called us. Number two, we need to walk in humility and gentleness or meekness. And number three, we need to walk in, you know, uh, tolerance of one another, long suffering. We need to do that. Number four, we need to walk in unity of the Spirit. Let's read it. Being diligent, verse three, to preserve the unity of the Spirit. And then say our individual unity, because you can, we can be in unity and not with the Spirit of God. Would you agree with that? It says, preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, that's number four. We need to walk in unity. If you don't walk in unity as the body of Christ, then we're going to dishonor our Lord and Savior. And we cannot say we're going to lead by example. The church of Jesus Christ should be the, the model that everybody should be able to look. The church is unified. They walk together. There should be an encouragement to every family. But of course we know the church really are the people. And so therefore the people make up the church. And so we have individuals and we have families. We have husband and wives. And if you're not walking in unity at home, do you think you're going to come here and walk in unity? Or in the church? You're not going to do that. If you can't walk in unity with your mate, how are you going to walk in unity? And, and, and you made a vow to, your, to, to God and witnesses with your mate. 
If you can't walk in unity with Jamaica, how are you going to walk in unity with somebody that you didn't make a vow to? If you can't walk in unity with those who are flesh and blood, who, who really, you're, you're, you know, who birthed you, kids, you know, teens, you know, how in the world are you going to walk in unity with somebody who didn't? The church should be an easier place to walk in unity in, shouldn't it? <laughs> you don't you, you don't want to say, yes, it is. Yeah, it should be. It should be. It should be. The easiest place to walk in unity in because everybody should be striving to be Christ-like. And if you, but when I was unsaved, I was not trying to be nice. You know, you might have been, but I was not. I was trying to be selfish. What I wanted, I was trying to get. And so that's what it's all about, me. Yeah? And so you don't want to bring that into a marriage because into a marriage, if it's all about you, you're going to have problems. You don't want to have that in your family. It's all about you because you're going to have problems. You don't want to have that on your workplace. You'll have problems. You don't want to have it, you know, in a supermarket. You're not going to have your way in the supermarket. You've got to obey rules, and you're not going to have it in the church of the living God. It's just not going to happen. Because we have to be in unity with the Spirit. Number one, we said that God is calling us to walk a manner worthy of the calling He's called us. Number two, we're saying that God is asking us uh, to walk in humility and gentleness or meekness. Number three, He's calling us to uh, really to be tolerant of one another, isn't He? Is he calling us to be tolerant of one another? He's calling us to be tolerant of one another because um, he's tolerant of us. So he's calling us to be tolerant of one another. That's called long-suffering. You know? And he's also calling us to walk in unity. In unity. How can we walk in unity when uh, you don't agree with everything that's done? How can you walk in unity in your marriage when you don't agree with everything? How can you walk in unity in your job when you don't agree with everything? How can you walk in unity? How can you walk in unity, you know, uh, with Christ? You, I know you don't agree with everything Christ tells you to do. I know you don't. You know? I don't. But I have to do it. Because I love him. Because he gave his life for me. So why shouldn't I give my life to him? That was an agreement we made. His righteousness for my sin. So if, if we had that exchange, then I have to give up what I don't like doing. Am I the only one that really struggle with trying to obey everything in the scripture? then if I'm going to walk in unity with the Spirit, somebody's not going to have his way. <laughs> and I do believe that it's going to be me and you. <laughs> I don't believe the Spirit of God is going to yield and going to lower the bar, to lower the standards for us. Number five, we must walk interdependent on one another. Interdependent. Now, verses Five, or four, five, six, tells us uh, about the unity that, that God wants. Because there's unity in the Trinity, 
even though they have different functions, they, they still, they're in unity. And he says that as uh, one body, one spirit, you've been called with one hope, you're calling one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. In other words, he's telling us that unity is oneness. When, you, when, when, when God tells us a direction, all of us need to be doing that same thing because that's what God calls us to do. It's oneness. That's what unity is, oneness. That's why he said that two people shall be joined together and the two going to be one because it's unity. And that's the best example of unity on earth as a married couple. Should be. So let's talk about the interdependence on one another. Let's go to chapter uh, 4. We're still in chapter 4. And let's move over a little bit uh, to verse 7. Now, we know that, that when he ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and he gave them for the equipment of the saints, so they are the, um, really in moving the saints from where they are to more where they need to be, equipping saints for works of service, building up the body of Christ, verse 12. Verse 13, until we all attain unto the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed to and fro by every wave or, or carried away by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole, W-H-O-L-E, whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. That's interdependence. That's interdependence. God wants us to practice walking in interdependence with one another. In other words, mutual dependence on one another. Spiritually. Spiritually. We're supposed to, I cannot make it without you. You can't make it without me. We can't make it without each other. We are interdependent upon one another spiritually. If, if I sink, you sink. If you sink, I sink. It's a togetherness thing. That's what God wants. And he says, practice that this year. Practice that because it's in preparation for what I got for you. As an individual, as a family, as a church, on your workplace, you need to practice interdependence. We need to walk in interdependence of one another. That means that you can't afford not to use the gifts God's given you. Because he's given gifts unto men. In Romans, he's, he's given other gifts. In Corinthians, he's given other gifts. You have gifts. So if you're sitting here and you're not using your gifts, then you are not supplying what the whole body needs. We are depending upon you using your gift. So you have to find out what a gift is, and you have to use it in service. Whatever that service may be. It's no time to come to church and do a religious duty. It's no time to do that. You need to be active. You need to be doing something to show your appreciation for God 
given you gifts. He's given all of us gifts. Every single one of us gifts. You need to be using those gifts. And let me go a little bit further. If my body is dependent upon my hand, my hands depend upon my feet, my feet depend upon my head, my, my eyes depend upon this, everything is dependent upon the other. And if I lose one portion, if I lose an eye, then I'm going to have to compensate for the eye I lost. And that means that this other eye is going to have to do double duty. I'm going to have to do things a little bit different than what I used to do. I had a basketball player. He, he couldn't see out of one eye. You know? So he had to do some changing of things. You know, He couldn't see peripheral, peripheral over, over on this side uh, because if, that, if that's the side that I was gone, he couldn't see. So he couldn't see a ball being thrown. So he had to, he had to, you know, you had to talk a little bit more. You had to communicate a little bit more so he would know what's going on because he had to compensate. It should not be that we have to compensate in this body because you decide that you're going to be an individual that's not interdependent. That shows up a lot of time in just your attendance in church. Let me say that again. It shows up a lot of times in your attendance at church. You see, if I'm, if I had a, 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 a player that he's, he's absent on game day half the time, I'm going to get rid of him because he can't help me. He's, you know, we practice all week, and then he doesn't show up on game day. Now, what is that? It won't work. Now, of course, I know that some people, work. And so some people work. You know, you can't be here if you're working on Sunday morning. And if you work third shift uh, Saturday night and got to go back to work Sunday night, you surely you know, got to adjust some things because you can't go to sleep at work because you won't have a job. Yeah? So you had to compensate for that. Surely if you were sick you know, you cannot come, please don't come and, and you know <laughs> get everybody sick. <laughs> don't do that, you know. But don't, just because one person is sick, everybody stay home, the whole family. That's what a person told me. Uh, was, uh, I think his name was Leonard Fox uh, from uh, California. He was a person about 15 years ago came and he, he was teaching at, um, at another church and, and I was over there listening to him, and, and he, he, was, he prophesied over us. But um, he said, now, I know that it was in Alta Vista. He, I know that Alta Vista is not like California, because in California, when one person gets sick, everybody stay home. In other words, they just need an excuse to stay home. You know? Don't tell anybody that, well, I had church at home. Don't tell anybody that. Don't tell anybody, well, I watched it on TV. I had church on TV. It's impossible. Impossible to be interdependent upon a body that God hasn't connected you to. Do you understand that my arm, if, I, if my arm just want to jump off and go and hang out with somebody else's body, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. You know? It's not going to work. So be real. 
Just be real. I, I don't want to come. And then that's real, okay? That's real. And, and you know, I, I asked um, my wife, I said, um, have we, you know, how often do we miss church? And she was going to church before I went to church. And she didn't let me stop her from going to church. I mean, it's just one of those things, you know. And if for her to stay home, I have to be, which I do anyway, uh, if I'm sick, I moan, oh, Minerva, please. <laughs> you know, because I, I don't, you know, it's one of those things. That's one of my weaknesses. I don't like pain. <laughs> That's why I didn't go to home. I don't like pain. Don't like bugs. Don't like nothing like that. So, you know, she, she, uh, she, she'll tell me to get a life. You know, she'll be back, you know, but she's going to, going to church, you know. Minerva, Minerva thinks so much of going to church because she wants to be with, with the body. She wants to be with the body. We changed our, our carpet one, one time over when we were on Park Avenue, and uh, she wanted to go to church so bad, but she had, a, um, I guess, the smell, you know, when they put glue down and stuff like that, um, it bothers her. So she went over and fellowship with another church we are in relationship with believers. She went over there and fellowship with them uh, because she wanted to be in church. Do you hear what I'm saying? That was an example for me. This is an, an example, you know. And I try to get her, you know, to, to change her mind, to stay home a lot of time, but uh, she didn't want to hear that, you know. And so it led me to want to go to church just by her example. Can God trust you to be an example for him to others? See? That's what God wants us to do. And so we just, we just, this is where we're supposed to be. When, when I read the scripture that says, forsake not assembling yourselves together as a manner, uh, some of them are. And also it said that uh, Jesus' custom was on the Sabbath day he was in the synagogue. It was the same thing with Apostle Paul. Their custom was in the, on Saturday, on the day of, of Sabbath, they were in the synagogue. They were, they, they were there, so there, there was their custom. What's your custom? What's your custom? Okay? And my custom is that I'm coming. I don't care what I think about you or what I, th- what I think about anybody else. I'm coming. And I'm talking about when um, at, at many times I didn't want to come because I was mad, you know, as somebody in church, you know. And so um, I said, man, I don't want to come, you know. But I'm not coming to church for, you know, people first. I'm coming for God. He's the one who saved my soul, you know. He's the one I got to answer to. So, therefore, I'm going to have the same. My custom is I'm going to be in church. And that's what we teach our girls. You in church on Sunday. Simple as that. When Ivy first... Uh, got a working age, uh, she applied to TJ Maxx or something, and, and um, they wanted her to put down uh, she's, her availability. So, you, you know, you're available only six days a week. You're not available on, on Sunday. And so she didn't get a job. You know, she got a job at New Light Books and Guild, but she didn't get a job at TJ Maxx because we said, hey, no, we're just not going to do that. Yeah. So that's just that's how firm we believe. I remember Elder Sam, he said, you know, Everybody else said, uh, when he was working at GE or Erickson, everybody else might have to work on Sunday, but God has given him favor because he told a man from up straight, I don't work on Sunday. I'm going to work harder than anybody else six days a week. You can have me any damn time you want, any time you want to, six days a week, but not on Sunday. Do you know that, that a lot of people had to work 
on Sunday itself. Elder Sam, he had to work on Sunday. You know, if you honor God, God will honor you. You know. Now, of course, um, some of you might, you know, if you, I saw I know we have nurses in here and things like that. Hospitals don't shut down on on Sundays, you know, because people need oxygen, things like that. So if you, so <laughs> if you're in that profession, you might have to work on Sunday. But don't work every Sunday. Come on, you know. You got to have some favor. I'll get another profession, you know. You see what I'm saying? Really? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. God has to be a priority in your life. It has to be a priority. Now, this, those are the four things, the five things that God is asking us to do to concentrate on this year in preparation for what he has for you. What he has for this church is dependent upon you. You know, because you are tops in his eyes. Your relationship with him is tops. Number two is your relationship with your mate if you're married. Next is your family. Next is your job. You see, in other words, you're going to do in the church just like you do everywhere else. So prepare in those five areas. Let's name them as we close. Let's name them. The first area, walk worthy of what? The calling, which you've been called. Number two, walk in humility and gentleness. Number three, okay, long suffer, patience and Tolerance of one another. Number four, okay, oneness, unity. And number five, interdependent upon one another. If we'll do those things and practice those things, I guarantee you that you're not going to miss what God has for you as an individual, what He has for you as a family, what He has for you in a workplace, in school, whatever He has, He has it for you. Let's stand. up here because we have uh, a prayer team that uh, they want to pray with you uh, and so you have to kind of you know we have we have a place over there you might need a prophetic word we have a place over there we have places right here we, we're going to have to you know uh, really tolerate uh, one another in love uh, we have to be maybe a little bit closer than we might want to be and if um, uh, when, when the place gets full here we got a place up there there's a um, section up there that for, for seats also. So, um, and if, if we fill that up, we'll go to two services if we fill up consistently. So I'm expecting to grow while we're in this place. I'm not expecting to diminish. I'm not expecting to stay the same. I'm expecting to grow, okay? So with this message, I know if we do it, we will uh, I'll be faithful to what God asked us to do as an example. We can be trusted and if we're trusted and if we, if we um, walk in what he's asking us to do, then what God's going to do is that he'll say, you've been faithful with what I've given you. It's not your own. Uh, this is something I've asked you to do. You've been faithful with that, so therefore I'm going to give you what's yours, whatever that may be, in your family, in your individual life, in your marriage, in your um, workplace. I don't know what he has for you, but God never uses someone else's boat without blessing them. He never does. Father, we thank you for the challenge you have challenged us with. That's a challenge. One of the greatest challenges really is, Father, dying to self in these areas because, Father, we're not, it's not our custom. It's not, we're not used to tolerating one another in the body of Christ. What we're used to is that, you know, if if we get tired of you, we just change churches. I mean, that's what we do, you know. If, If we don't, uh, like you, we just don't speak to you, you know. 
uh, we just, you know, kind of ignore you, act like you don't exist, Father. We, you know, we, we, we got customs and habits that are not godly, Lord, and we're asking you, Lord, to help us, oh God. Help us to step outside of ourselves, Lord, and, and try to walk, Father, in a, in a manner worthy of you, Lord. Father, we want to be examples. We want to be trusted, Lord, with the people who are unsaved out there that you will just say, I want you to follow that person. And you can trust us, Lord. We're going to lead them in the right direction, Lord. They can follow us, Lord. They can go where we go. They can do what we do. They can say what we say because we are saying only what Christ said. We'll say, follow me as I follow Christ. Mimic me as I follow, as I mimic Christ. That's what we'll be saying. I'm going to have a prayer team come up. If there's anyone here that have not given your life to Jesus Christ, we want to give you that opportunity today. There's always the day day of salvation, always a day of salvation. If there's anyone here like that, I want you to raise your hand and we'll pray for